Hey everybody, what's going on? It's Monday, and it's time for a movie. Yeah, and I was just uh, talking to Zanita, who sent us this movie. Yes. And uh, is this is a good movie. I was so jacked. Sent us the Blu-ray. I others. love this movie. Knew nothing about this movie. This is the first first time I've even kind of really heard about it. So uh, I'm starting from nothing when I, when, when I saw it. I kind of knew something was, something was up with the story. Like, this isn't right. And then it turns out... <laughs> I thought it was going to be a movie kind of like uh, Turn of the Screw at first. It kind of felt like Turn of the Screw. It's influenced by that. Yeah, but, uh, uh, but that was, you know, that was the name of the novella. Like, yeah. the movie that was made from it was The Innocence. Yeah. But in 1963, that's when that came out, right? Yeah. This is influenced by that, but the story is completely different. It's a good movie. And also, uh, look, man, it's partially produced by... Tom motherfucking Cruise. Well, okay. Right. There's a story behind that. All right. So, well, wait a minute. First, let me um, address. Zach said, had a hell of a day. Mom passed away this morning. Oh, shit. Oh, I'm sorry to sorry hear that. Sorry to hear that. that. Yeah, that's a bomb. Yeah, you know how you know I went through it just uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he says, not sure what I'm feeling so far. It's a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's terrible. I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, yeah. that's really sad. We all go through it eventually. Yeah. If you live long enough. I mean, you know, I don't love it, but you kind of got to. Yeah. Your parents would never want you uh would never want to outlive you. The only other option is that fucking you outlive your parents. That's just Yeah, that's one way of looking at it. It's yeah. it's got to go one way or it's the gotta other. It's got to go one way or the other. That's true. And uh they would never want to outlive you. They don't want to see you die. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I guess that's a good way of looking at yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, yeah. you know, like I said, we've... when you see them die, you're spare, you're sparing them the pain of seeing you die. Yeah, that's how. Actually, that's kind of a nice way of looking. That's at how it. I. Look, that's how I look at everything. Yeah, I mean that that is a good way of looking at it. Actually, I don't know if that makes you feel any better or not, but you know, that's the best way of looking at that's it. Some Buddha, that's some Buddhist. That's that's some Buddhist. It type is. Thinking. Yeah. It yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. The way of the force. So... <laughs> So yeah, so thank you very much, Xanada, for sending this is, us this movie. Um, he said he sent it specifically for me because he knows I love this fucking movie. Um, I also want to give a shout out to Dermot. I don't think he's here yet or in the chat, but he sent me a PayPal donation earlier today. So thank you very much for that. He wanted me to review Fright Night 2, which I don't think we've reviewed so far. I actually like that movie. It's quite underrated. Um, it's not as good as the first Fright Night, actually. I don't remember you know? it. But, um, but it's actually pretty good. They got most yeah. of the original cast back. Okay. Um, so if, I, if we haven't done it, then either I will do it by myself like later this week or next week, or we will do it next Monday. We'll figure it out like later on, because I'm pretty sure it's free to watch like other places. But yeah. So this, because you said about Tom Cruise, and I know let's not go too off on Tom Cruise hey. or, and go down a whole Tom Cruise Scientology rabbit it's hole. It's the short man mafia. But I know, but like I know, because I said as soon as we bring up Tom Cruise, it's going to be like an hour long because you're going to be talking about Tom Cruise the whole time. So what happened was this movie was actually um, the first English language film um, by, uh, by Alejandro Amenabar. Now, he had made, I think this was only his third film overall, but like I said, he mostly was made, I think he was born in Chile, but um, he, so he made Spanish language films. Now, he got kind of worldwide acclaim for uh, a movie called um, Abra Los Ojos, uh, better known as Open Your Eyes. Now, Tom Cruise saw that movie, loved that m- movie, and he optioned the rights to make an American version of it, uh, which was called Vanilla Sky. 
uh, which he was in and which Cameron Cameron Crowe directed. I've seen that in forever. I don't want to maybe yeah. see that one again. The original's better. Is it okay? The Spanish language one is better. Vanilla Sky was okay too, but I, the original one's like way better. I, I vaguely it. remember seeing it. Yeah, but I saw it like back in the day. Yeah, and I can't remember anything about. Yeah, it, it's been a while since I've seen it, but yeah. I remember liking the original one like a lot better. Um, but yeah, so so then like the next screenplay that um, Alejandro wrote because he wrote the screenplay for this too. <coughs> now he originally wrote the screenplay for the others in Spanish. Um, Tom Cruise though like really really loved it, and he said, "Tell you what, I will produce this movie, but only if we do it in English." So they had the script uh, translated into English. And, you know, then they decided to do it. Nicole Kidman uh, was in it and everything like that. Now, the interesting thing was that uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, because I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot they were still together at this point. But they actually announced their divorce only a couple of days before this movie came out, either before or after this movie came out. So some people thought that it might, like, negatively affect the movie, like, that the news of their divorce came out. like, But actually it didn't. The interesting thing about this movie... So it came out in 2001. I believe it first opened in August, um, but it opened in like fourth place, but it had like really good word of mouth. Like it just kept making money and kept making money. And then like it kind of went up to second place. And then when it got released like in other territories. So this movie like only cost 17 million to make and ended up making like $210 million. If y'all don't know what this is, this is a ghost movie. It's it, a very classic, very gothic. Good. Yeah. It's not Victorian because it's set in the 40s. Yeah. But it's it has that feel to it. Yeah. It, it's it, it's a good ghost movie. And it's got a twist, almost kind of like uh, kinda M. Night has two. It, it kind of has two twists. It but. has a couple twists. But I, you, you know something's up from the very beginning. You're not in, you're not in normal reality. But that's what's great about it is because you're not entirely sure sure, what's going on. And I think that's what's really, like, intriguing about it is that, like, you're watching it the whole time being like, you know something's fucked up, but you don't know exactly what it is. Now, some people said that they – because a lot of people have said, well, this has – you know, it, this movie came out a long time ago, so we're going to spoil it. You know what I mean? I'm I'm sure that, like, most people – If you want to see this movie, you want to check out now. Because we're going to fucking spoil the shit out of it. It's a great movie. Because we got to talk about it. But so you, you know can what I mean? always go check out now, and then you can come back and uh, listen to the discussion after you've seen the movie. Yeah. You'll probably see it for free on some of the damn subscriptions. I don't know. This seems to kind of be hard to get hold of. Okay. Um, I believe there is a Criterion Collection edition mm-hmm. now, which came out fairly recently. I can see um, this getting Criterion. Yeah, and Zach it? said, yeah, I think Criterion released a new version of this in 4K. Yeah. But the color timing looks totally different. Yeah, this is. I think that was fairly recent. I, yeah. you know, I thought because I saw some reviews of it when it's a, it's, a, it's an important movie. Uh, it's hard to believe that this movie was made in two thousand one. It yeah. feels in a way kind of like older. It's like a revamped classic movie, but you you don't realize you think like, well, what what old classic book was this based on? It's not. It's, it's modern, not. It's, it's an original. Movie. And like I said, the guy that directed it, um, Alejandro Amenabar, he wrote it, directed it, and he did the score. So he's like a renaissance man. The time that I was watching, I was like, this is like Turn of the Screw or The Innocents. Yeah, and and I think that, I mean, it's definitely, like I said, it's not the same story. No, But in the sense that there's a woman and two kids like in this creepy old house and there's ghosts and shit like that, maybe. Um, It's just, so it's kind of that. But other than that, but I kind of feel like the cool thing about this, so like if you liked The Innocents from 1963, The Dead one with Deborah Carr. If you liked The Haunting from 1963, oh wait, I think The Innocence was 1961. 
The Haunting was 1963, which, of course, was based on The Haunting of Hill House, the Shirley Jackson novel from 1959. Um, not, And I'm not talking about because they remade The Haunting in 1999, and that was a fucking abortion. That was a horrible fucking movie. Even there was good actors in it. Lily Taylor was in it. Catherine Zeta-Jones was in it. Liam Neeson was in it. It was fucking awful. I hated it so much. But um, <laughs> I just And I saw it in the theater because I was like, I know this is probably going to suck, but it's like I wanted to go see it because I love The Haunting so much and I love the novel so much. And I was just like, well, that was a fucking waste of two hours that I'll never get back. But um, but yeah, it sucked. And I even gave it another chance because I was like, but this can't have sucked as bad as I thought it did. Oh, it did. It was worse. So yeah. But if you liked that those original ones, I kind of feel like this is almost a little bit kind of going back to some of the kind of creepy old dark house stuff like from the 40s like the yeah. spiral staircase which I just talked about too much which wasn't a ghost story necessarily it was more like a serial killer thing also kind of reminds me of that damn movie that had uh, uh, the dude who played Patton with George C. Scott what was it? The Changeling. Changeling yeah somebody mentioned that kind earlier like yeah because it's like just a real low yeah. key yeah there's no I mean there's a couple of jump scares if you want to call them that but there's no um, special effects really there's no a lot it's just very restrained and yeah. most of the creepiness just comes from shit you don't see or because you don't know what's going on like the mystery you know yeah. what I mean this has like a couple of really really creepy scenes in it yeah. um, somebody pointed out I think it was Danny that pointed out that the seance scene toward the end is probably an homage to the changeling which okay, I could yeah. see that yeah I could see that yeah it also kind of there's something about it kind of reminded me of the legacy yeah. So I think it's the, the old house, the legacy and the evil, where they're in this big old fucking house that feel, feels is very is haunted. It's just it's just classic. It's just a very classic. If you like those old fucking gothic ghost story horror movie, this is it. The weird thing about the movie, well, maybe it's a little too early to break it. The main characters are the ghosts. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Well, yeah, no, we told alert. you we were going to spoil it. Told you we were going to spoil The main characters are the ghosts, and you think they're alive and that they're being haunted by ghosts? No. They're ghosts being haunted by people doing it, having a seance on the other side. It's like an inverted... An inverted version. It's, you know what I would love? the ghosts see you. And I was thinking about yeah. this as I was rewatching, because this is, I think this is my third or fourth viewing of this movie. I actually yeah. saw this movie in the theater when it first came out, and then I saw it again probably a couple years later, like on DVD or whatever, and then I think I saw it one other time subsequently, and then I saw it this time. So this might have been the third or fourth time. This is a movie... I kind of feel like a lot of people were like, oh, because The Sixth Sense had come out in 1999 and everybody knew the twist of that. Bruce Willis was dead the whole time and all this other kind of stuff. And this has kind of the same twist in that the characters you're following the whole time have been dead. You know, you know, the whole movie have been dead the whole time. But it's not exactly the same, I guess, because it's more like a period piece. It's more like a gothic horror. Sixth Sense is more a classic ghost story, but it's kind of just set in the modern day and shit like that it's much creepier it's kind of going back to an older style of filmmaking i feel like and you know so i'm kind of like when um somebody asked tom did you see the twist coming i knew i knew that he we knew weren't... something what because he was yeah. trying to he kept trying to like get me to tell him yeah. he was like how much you want to bet that blah blah and i was just like dude i know what's gonna happen yeah. i've seen this movie like yeah. a bunch of times and um i knew it wasn't happening in normal time space yeah especially when the husband came back the way he was acting and then he yeah. left i was like he no. d he got it toward... i knew he was a ghost 
he got it kind of toward the end. Yeah, yeah. Like, kind of toward the end. Like, he was just like, oh, okay, now it's... I don't remember what point. Like, he yeah. got, I think after the husband left... Yeah. He was like, oh, Nicole Kidman and the kids are dead. They're good. They're good. Like, yeah. he got it. But yeah. I think at first... This is kind of interesting. At first, and I think this was a deliberate misdirect on the point of the... On, you know, on the part of the director. At first, they wanted you to think that the servants were up to something nefarious. Yeah, at first I thought that maybe they were doing some witchcraft. Yeah, that was like the first, that's yeah. where he was going. And like I said, I think that's kind of where they wanted you to go with it yeah. because they were acting kind of shifty. Yeah, and during that phase, I was going like, this is kind of like the legacy. Right, right, right. Which, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's homage in a lot of great flicks if you, if, if you like this type of movie. If you haven't seen the legacy, see that one. It's about satanic witches and passing down the legacy. Yeah. We reviewed it, but a long time ago. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. yeah. In an old fucking British fucking mansion kind of felt a little bit like this bunch of satanic witches in there Sith bunch of Sith has Sith powers yeah fucking cool flick Xanada said when you say gothic horror what makes it gothic is it the aesthetic the aesthetic um it's not just that gothic horror um at least in the classic sense usually has something to do with um the past intruding on the future or in the, on the present in a particular kind of way. Uh, gothic horror usually has to do with like creepy old houses, like on a yeah. moor somewhere. Family, obvious. family yeah. curses. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, some murder, like, some secret that happened yeah. a long time ago that's still impacting stuff in like, the present day. Like fall of the house of Usher. Yeah, like all of that kind of stuff. It's a, there's a lot of different tropes to it, but that's yeah. usually it's usually there's some element of melodrama. But it's almost always some kind of like past buried secret yeah. that's still impacting the characters yeah. in the present, and it's kind of slower. Not as not doesn't have jump scares. It's just creepy shit, and then things are re revealed. It's like the opposite of a slasher. Yeah, the gothic horror is the opposite of a slasher. More like slow burn. Yeah, and and honestly, I think when done well, that is a lot more effective because slasher movie. I like slasher movies, but they're not scary to me. Mm. Which is weird because slashers kind of, I mean, that could happen in real life, yeah. right? But, um, you know, whereas ghost stories and stuff, you know, generally don't, at least not in the way you see them in the movies. But I always found, like, gothic stories, like haunted house kind of stories, like, way scarier. Yeah. And psychological horror, like, way scarier than, like, gory. Like, I like those too, but I don't think that are scary. I knew something was up when the Nicole Kidman's character said that, she, you know I can't leave the house. And that the kids are... The kids are uh, can't be exposed to sunlight. They'll start burning and blistering. And I was like, "This ain't real." Well, like, there is a there I is a, maybe she was crazy. Well, yeah, yeah, and well, that's kind of the cool thing about this movie. And I think that kind of the great thing about it is that it's good to watch it again, knowing the twist because you can pick up all the stuff that's in there, like all the little throwaway bits of dialogue that didn't really seem to matter in the end that like are really important when you know what the twist is so i really liked revisiting it because i knew that they that them and the servants were all dead right um and i knew that the people like quote unquote haunting them the intruders were living people that were in the house and a medium so um so knowing that you get like all of these little nuances that were written into the script that when you just watch it the first time and you're thinking that these are living people being haunted by ghosts, you don't really pick up on. Like one of the things that I only picked up on this time, and like I said, I think this is the third or fourth time I've watched this, was that there's a couple of times where 
one of the kids, the the daughter, Anne, uh, she gets mad, like, at the table, and she starts, like, hyperventilating. And Nicole Kidman says to her, like, stop breathing like that. Stop breathing, she says. And then, like, later on, the little boy, Nicholas, when him and the um, sister are, like, in the closet and they're scared mm-hmm. and he starts hyperventilating, and she says the same thing. He's like, stop breathing. And then you find out at the end that Nicole Kidman's character, Grace, she smothered those kids. So it's like, so that's kind of why that kept coming up. And another thing that I didn't realize, too, is that she complains about migraines through the whole thing. And I don't know if she had migraines when she was alive, but they might be referring to the fact that she shot herself in the head. Yeah. That that might be what that is. And that didn't even occur to me, like, the first couple times. She shot herself in the forehead with a shotgun. Yeah. 12-gauge shotgun. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, if you haven't seen this and you don't know the story, it's set in 1945, like right after the end of World War II. It's set on the island of Jersey, which is um, the largest of the Channel Islands in the English Channel. It's actually closer to France than it is to England, but it's still like an English protectorate. I think it's got its own little thing going on, but it's still like part of Britain. And fun fact, well, it's not so fun fact. (laughs) I think it was the only part of the United Kingdom that was actually occupied by the Germans. In World War II, which a fact which they do bring up in the movie, but it was the only part that was. And so she lives in this house with these two kids who are who have a sunlight allergy or like a light allergy, which I guess is a real thing. I didn't really know. Because the thing about it is that once you find out that everybody's dead, and this is a question that a lot of people I saw a lot of people bring it up like in different forums about this movie. They're like, Well, did the kids have a sunlight allergy like when they were alive? Is that like a real thing? Um I'm going to say, or, or is it because obviously they use it as a metaphor for she's trying to keep her kids sheltered from the truth, right? Like she doesn't want them to go into the light. She doesn't want them to know what really happened to them. So she's shielding them from it. Like it's metaphorical. But I tend to think that probably they did have that when they were alive because they didn't seem to know they were dead and they didn't seem to think anything was different. You know what I mean? Like, they were just operating the way that they had always operated, thinking that they were still alive. So I'm assuming that they had had that when they were alive as well. But so, yeah. So they're photosensitive. Now, she says, Grace is Nicole Kidman's character's name. And she says, oh, well, the servants just up and left about a week ago. I don't know why. So these three new servants turn up on the doorstep. Now, ostensibly, she had put in, she had, like, mailed an advertisement to put in the newspaper for new servants, right? Because the other ones, like, took off without even collecting their pay, she says. But then later on, so so she's like, okay, well, you guys come in, you're hired, whatever. Like, I need help with the house and all this. And it turns out that they had worked there before, so they were familiar with the house. And then later on, she realizes, she or she goes to the mailbox, and she sees that the ad that she sent never got sent like the mailman didn't come to pick it up which you find out why that is later on yeah there's no mailman where they come from well no i mean yeah well and the mailman well they were dead so it's like so nobody and nobody was living there so the mailman didn't come so um so that's why but so she's like so what the fuck are you guys doing here like how did you know and so you know immediately and like i said this is kind of like a good misdirect because you're initially primed to think that the servants are up to some shit. And then, like, as the story goes on, it seems like the servants are, like, saying, like, cryptic shit to, like, one another. 
like you know oh well she'll need to be told at some point or like she or they're saying weird shit and then like at one point they're like out in the yard like covering up some gravestones and shit like that and you're just like what the fuck is going on like i said the first time i saw this i don't think i saw this in the theater in 2001 i don't think i guessed what the twist was i don't remember guessing what the twist was like i knew that something was going on with the servants um, like that they were up to some shit, but I wasn't entirely sure what it was. But so I kind of, so it got me, you know what I mean? Even though I'd seen the sixth sense in the theater too. And it's just kind of like, so yeah, you're kind of primed and you've seen like a lot of other horror that had, they were dead the whole time kind of thing. That's not the only time that's been done. But so, yeah, so, so as soon as the servants show up, all kind of like weird paranormal crap starts happening. Like the little girl starts saying, Hey, I keep seeing this little boy named Victor, like, in the room, and he's talking to me, and, you know, the and Grace hears him crying, and then she, like, hears the piano played in the middle of the night, somebody running around upstairs that she thinks is a servant, but it's not. And so there's kind of all this crazy, like, supernatural shit happening. And at first, because Grace is, like, super, super religious. They're, like, super Catholic, right? And, like, super hardcore about it. And she homeschools the kids, and she is all about the concept of, like, purgatory and limbo and all that kind of stuff and just telling these kids so the concept of limbo is kind of like a big thing because that's kind of how they end up so the whole thing is that her husband um went off to fight in the war he went off to the front and he never came back she says he went off to fight and i hadn't heard anything for a year and a half and but then, like, she decides at some point, she gets all flipped out. She sees, she starts seeing, like, paranormal shit happen. Because for a while, she just thinks the kids are making it up. And she starts yelling at them and punishing them and stuff. But then she sees it herself. So she's like, well, fuck this. I'm going to go into the into the town and, like, get the priest to, like, come here and bless the house or whatever. Because he was supposed to come before, but he never came. Again, because they were dead. So, um, because they had died at some point. I think it was supposed to be, like, a week or two prior to the events because the very first shot of the movie is Nicole Kidman waking up, screaming her head off. Like she was just having a nightmare. So I'm assuming that that was her thinking that everything that happened, like her killing her kids and then blowing her own head off. I'm assuming that was her waking up from that in limbo. Mm. And I think maybe a week or two had passed is all because she had put the advertisement in the mailbox, right? Apparently. Uh, And then the mailman didn't, pick it up so i guess the mailman only comes once a week well how could she put she couldn't put a real letter in the mailbox well she but she had done it when she was still alive maybe because she said that the oh. that the that the servants left right yeah, but okay but then in the real world people would have known that they were dead so well that that's why it never got picked up it never got yeah or it got picked up and it, but the, the job never would have been taken and you know and, right that's what i'm saying so yeah. but that's why nobody like yeah that's why nobody came out there and she's just like i don't right. know why nobody came like the priest never came out here and all this other stuff so she's gonna go get the priest to come back and bless the house because she thinks the shit's haunted right but turns out she goes out and then it's just all fog because they've she said a bunch of times it's like oh it's really foggy i was wow it's never this lasted this long and shit like that but she goes out and it's like the fog is so thick that she can't find her way. And then all of a sudden her husband turns up and she's like, oh my God, he's back. And he's still got his uniform on and everything, even though this war has been over for a while. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. You're talking about how creepy it was, the photos of the dead people. I know. And that's yeah. a real thing, too. It was a real thing, but the the explanation given for the behavior wasn't quite accurate. The well, reason, the reason that she gave that explanation yeah. was that the reason that the servants came there yeah. was they were supposed to slowly... Unveil. reveal to her that she She's was dead and, yeah. th- and they said you can't just tell her outright she won't believe you so you have right. to get her to get right. to that right you know a revelation on her own so that's kind of why they were telling yeah, her the stuff they were, were telling her wondering in real life the reason why they did that is because photography was very expensive and if a person died unexpectedly chances are they didn't have a photograph of them so right. they wanted to take a photograph of them before they put them in the ground so you can remember what they looked like that's all it was. Yeah. So they were taking pictures of the kids because little kids were dying and they didn't have any photos of them. So they paid for photos so you'd remember them. It's sad when you think about it. it yeah. And it like be, when you know, it is seriously creepy. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you can vote. There's, they're all over the internet. If you want to look Victorian death photography, it was very, very common. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but that was the reason. So when you know why. It's not as creepy. It's not as creepy. I mean, it's yeah. still creepy. But we live in a time where you the take reason photos is, all the time. Yeah, you know, all day long. All There's day too long. many photos of right. everybody. We're like, okay, right. enough. We know right. what you look like. You know Not in mean? those days. And they just wanted to record what they looked like so the parents could right. remember and the people could remember. They, You know, that's all it was. Yeah. So, but the, I liked that they used that as a plot point because that is a real thing. Yeah. And it also factored into the plot later on because the fact that she found that book and she's like, oh, that's creepy as shit. And it's almost like she's in denial you know what I mean? Because she doesn't know she's dead, right? So she's looking at this book and she's it's freaking around. She's like, get the, get rid of this. You know what I mean? I don't want it in the house. And so she's still not getting to a place where she's accepting her own death or accepting what she did. You know what I mean? And then, like, toward the end, when she actually finds the photograph in the room, like, of the three servants and they're dead, that I thought that was, like, a really good, um, that was a really good setup. Like, there was a really good setup and payoff that she finds this photo and that the three photos look like this big revelation that they were dead. You know what I mean? And they had died because I was looking at somebody was talking about this on Reddit because they were had all these questions about it. And they're like um, and they were asking about the servants and they seem to have the misconception that the servants had worked for her before. I was like, no, the servants died in 1851. It said that on the back of the picture. Yeah. And then like she and then um, Bertha Mills the you know the nanny or whatever she says after you know uh grace has figured out that she's actually dead she's like yeah we died in the tuberculosis right. outbreak um you know what i mean so they've been dead a long time they had worked at the house a long time ago like before nicole kidman and them like even moved in you know but yeah so they were just there because they loved that house and they were there to usher her into realization but so, and a lot of people ask too about like, well, the husband, cause the husband shows up and he seems like super out of it and he only stays for a day and a night. And then the next day he says he has to leave again. To go back to the war. Yeah. And he's, he's going to go back to the front and she's like, what are you talking about? Like the war's over. Yeah. And so he a lot of, and a lot of people have speculated. It's like, well, what is the deal with him? Like, why did he even, I think, I mean, there's a couple of different interpretations. He's obviously dead um, because, and I think when he came, I think he was actually looking for his home. It was just this fog that was this amorphous fog or whatever. He was actually, he was killed in the battle 
on the battlefield. And I think that he was looking for his home. And then when he saw Grace in the fog, he was surprised because he thought she was still alive. He would think she was still alive because he didn't know that she had killed the kids and herself because it hadn't happened that long ago. So he showed up and he's like, what the, like, oh, you must be dead too because I can see you. And so then when he goes back to the house and he's all like flipped out and then he says that he talks to Anne, the daughter, Anne told me what happened that day. So Anne told him that she had flipped out and killed the kids. And he's like, okay, well, I can't stay here. And I think that he had to go back to the front because that's where he died. Yeah, he was haunt. He was haunting a battlefield. That's yeah, right. and like that's how he had to stay. And then when he came back, he wanted to see them one last time. Yeah. But then he found out that she had done that, and he's like, "Yeah, I can't really stay, anyways." Yeah, you know what I mean? He's like, "Yeah, yeah, you're not for me." <laughs> because well, yeah, because there was this whole thing. Like she was just like, "I, you know, why did you? Why did you go?" Like because he volunteered, and she's like, "And I got the feeling that you were trying to get away from me, not just away from you know what I mean. Right. You could have just stayed here with your family." So I think there was like problems even before all of that. It's great because it's like it hints at a much bigger story that was happening before the events of the movie. It just kind of leaves you to fill in blanks. Well, I, I surmise that she was a little bit fucking crazy before yeah. she killed the kids. That he was trying to get away from her. That she was might have been a little bit crazy. Well, and the thing about it, and I thought too that maybe the thing that had driven her crazy, because Anne, the daughter, she seemed to be the only one that kind of knew what was going on. She didn't know she was dead, but she had a better grasp on what had happened. She knew that their mother had gone mad and it hurt them. She knew that much, but she didn't know they were dead though, because she flipped out like at the seance and was like, we're not dead. We're not dead. You know what I mean? So I don't think she had gone that far, but I think that she knew more what was going on than anybody else did. Murder Hornet says, I've never seen this movie. And then people say, you should check it out, man. We just ruined it for you. you uh, Actually, it would still be cool to watch. I know you, fucking Murder Hornet, you can't remember one thing to the next, but you forget it. Even if you know the twist, it's still good. And honestly, like, because I already knew the twist because I've seen it a couple of times. So when I watched it again, it's cool to watch it knowing the twist because you can, then you can appreciate the screenwriting more because of all the clues that are peppered in there. It's a ghost story from the point of view of the ghosts. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. But I, but I would think I was going to say, and I don't think I finished my thought, but I would love to see somebody remake, even if it was just like a fan movie on YouTube or something, make this movie from the point of view of the living people. Because you never see the living people in the house until the end. Like, and they're just like around the seance table, like flipping out. Like, because you, can you imagine? Because you remember like the scene where, like toward the end, where the kids wake up and they look up and it's sunny in their room and they start screaming because yeah. all the curtains are gone. And yeah. they're like running around the house going, oh, all the curtains are gone. And like fucking Grace is flipping out. Like, who took all the curtains? Well, the living people took the curtains and they the living people took the curtains because the ghosts kept opening and closing up all the time. Yeah, okay. And they were probably getting sick of it. So they were yeah. just like, fuck this. We're and just they were taking locking the-, the doors too. Yeah, and that's the thing. So it's just like, I would love to see this if you kind of imagine this movie from the point of view of the living people, which I could kind of do this time around watching it because I knew that everybody in the house, like Nicole Kidman and the kids and the servants, are dead. You don't see the living people till the end, but you can imagine what the living people are experiencing by watching what the ghosts are doing. At the the, the seance, fucking 
uh, a book picks up off the ground and starts and it starts getting ripped apart in midair. Yeah. Because Nicole Kidman in the other dimension is ripping it up. Like yeah, she's that. flipping out. So they're they're there. And but and, and you know it's all these Victor all these not Victorians but these old old people in the in the forties going we have made contact yeah and they're they're doing the whole fucking I love seance, seance movies but yeah, I love yeah, yeah, I love yeah. that whole scene and like and like the lady that's the medium she's blind yeah. and she's got like the cataracts and stuff and she's super yeah as soon as I saw the as soon as I saw the seance I was like, oh there's the intruders the intruders were the living people intruding in the ghost world yeah. Through a seance. Cause they, and they couldn't see them most yeah. of the time. Yeah. And could see Victor, the little boy, yeah. but he was alive. Yeah. Because he kept saying, remember the, that fucking great scene where Anne and the and Nicholas, the you know, the ghost kids, they're in the bedroom and yeah. Anne keeps saying, it's like, Vic, he's over there behind the curtains. And Nicholas like, shut up, you're freaking me out. Because he yeah, thinks yeah. Victor's a ghost, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's like, look, I'll prove it to you that he's over there. And like, she goes in the curtains, like go like yeah, that. Yeah, She's yeah. like, I'll make him touch you. And then this hand comes and touches his face and he wigs the fuck out. Yeah. But that kid's alive. Yeah. And he's like touching the ghost, you know what I mean? So it's like, I really love that. Like I said, yeah, the, the trope of, you know, they were dead the whole time. That's been done lots of times. But... I don't know. There just seems like a slightly different... There's just, like, something slightly different about this one. Because, like I said, it's almost like... It's, like, a perfectly inverted ghost story. You don't see the living people until the seance scene at the end. You only have hints of them. Like, that also... There's that other great scene, like, toward the beginning where... Anne says to her mom... She's like, yeah, the intruders, they're in that... The junk room over there. And she goes in and, like, everything is covered with sheets and all that other kind of shit. And she hears voices... Like, she hears a little boy, and she hears a woman talking, said, and, like, really quiet. She's like, it's a woman, or something like that. And she hears them, and she's like, what the fuck? And then she starts, like, tearing the sheets off of everything. And the living people would have just seen the sheets coming off, like, by themselves. And they probably, and then they ran out and, like, slammed the door and stuff like that. And the mom keeps talking to the daughter. She could hear the daughter crying, and then fucking when she saw the daughter, she says, I wasn't crying. She says, I was talking to the little boy. She says, what little boy? that little boy that was here. Yeah, Victor. And she's thinking that she's seeing ghosts. She wasn't seeing ghosts. The little boy was alive. She was a ghost. Yeah. She saw. A little, she was talking to a little boy. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like a really great... Now, okay, so the thing about it, though, I love that this movie is called The Others because that could mean a lot of things. I mean, that could mean them in the house. That could mean the servants that came. That could be the living people that they called the intruders. They, you know, that could mean a lot of other stuff. But then, like, at the end... So here's the thing. They talk a lot about the concept of limbo in this movie. Because like I said, there's a lot of... Grace is very religious, and she's instructing her children in the Bible and makes them read these Bible stories and all this other stuff and tells them about children's limbo, that unbaptized kids and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of that theming in there. But the interesting thing is that you would think that the whole point of the servants coming there was to reveal gently to Grace and the kids that they were dead, right? And I think in a traditional kind of haunted house movie, that would mean it's like, oh, they've accepted, she accepted that she murdered her kids, you know, she accepted that she killed herself, and then they would go to heaven or whatever the fuck. But I kind of like that this one didn't really do that. It kind of implies, actually, I don't even know if implied, it pretty much says pretty clearly that they're not leaving. They're staying in the house. I mean, Grace says to the kids, this is our house. This is our house. They repeat it. 
And she's like, we're never leaving. And then the servant, you know, uh, Bertha says to them, well, you know, there will be others, like, living people that come to buy the house because there's, like, a sign at the end, like, obviously yeah. on the fence it says it's for sale. So it's like, and we'll just have to, like, learn to live with them. So the implication, I thought, was that there was no, no heaven. No, there's no end. That there was no heaven, that this yeah. was their limbo, yeah. and they were stuck here forever, which is kind of sad, actually. Well, they didn't want to leave. Yeah, so it's like, so I'm not really, yeah, I'm not really sure if the end was sad, but it's like, yeah, I thought the implication was that there was no place for them to go. Like, that they were just, they had to stay there, like, forever. Or they wanted to. Or they wanted to. They wanted to. Now, they did, I mean, they did come to the realization, so they, that they could be in the sunlight. Yeah. You know, because, you know, they're dead now, so obviously that's not going to hurt them. But, you know, that, it's also metaphorical, meaning that they've accepted the truth. Yes, we're dead, and yes, our mom killed us, and we forgive her, and everything like that. But it's like, like I said, I think in a more traditional story, they'd be like, oh, yay, now they're going to go into the light or whatever, mm-hmm. like on a haunting. No, they stayed ghosts. But no, they just stayed ghosts, and they stayed in the house. Because it's yeah. like the, the living family were like, fuck this, we're out of here. These ghosts obviously don't want us here. You know, we're leaving. So, you know, the three of them are just in the window, like, looking... The ghosts are looking down the window, like, while the family's leaving. The movie's intent was not to resolve the issue. Yeah. The movie's intent was to explain to you what a ghost was. All right? The ghosts want to stay there. It's their house. Yeah. They don't, they're not going nowhere. All right? They're in limbo. And they, that's what they showed you. And they're explaining to you why that would happen. Why yeah. ghosts would happen. And I, I, I liked that. Strong story. Yeah. I liked that ending, though. Yeah. Because I thought... And then it shows the future... And it shows people come and it's for sale. People are going to move into the house. Yeah, because that's gonna, what the servant says. You're going to be haunted. And fucking that's... that's you're going to haunt the shit. It's the, it's, it's the origin story for the haunting. Yeah. All right. That's of a good how, way of putting of it. How the ghosts and why the ghosts are haunting this place. So it's great. And then the people are going to come. And you're gonna have to like you're live with them. You're gonna have to them. deal with these people, with these ghosts. You're gonna have to deal with it because yeah, yeah. because the um, Bertha says to them, it's like sometimes you'll sense them and sometimes you won't. Yeah. And I'm assuming that sometimes the living people will sense the ghosts and sometimes yeah. they won't. So it's like some people might live there and be totally fine. Yeah. And because the thing about it is that they can't always see you from beyond the veil. Right. And like yeah. and Grace and the kids, you know, they didn't see the living people. No. Grace yes. never saw them until the very end and saw them. They're telling you, they're showing you, and this is based upon some of the experience that I've had in that damn bad house and other poltergeist shit, which is different. Poltergeist is not ghost, all right? But I was in a house that I believe it was haunted. It was just a bad house, all right? Not, I couldn't prove it, but you could feel it. The purpose of the haunting is not to serve the humans, these ghosts have their own purpose for being there. Yeah, that's their own right. agenda. Yeah, that's their agenda. This is their house. And um, they don't exist so you can see them. You just happen to see them. Yeah. They're living in, a, in the past, uh, basically. They're in the past in another dimension, kind of like a uh, what they call a residual haunting. It's kind of like uh, yeah. they're repeating the past or they're living out the past forever in a parallel dimension. You know what I mean? They're, for them, it's always going to be the 40s. And they're in their house doing their shit. And they don't see the humans unless a human can see them and does things to see them. And then from from the point of view, view of the ghost, the living person seems like a ghost. Yeah. Something from beyond. You know. 
Yeah, because they didn't see the living people like rattling around in the house all the time. No, just sometimes. They really only saw yeah. them or well, Anne saw the little boy and she actually she yeah. said she saw the old lady, the medium, the most. She said she'd yeah. seen her 14 times like from her drawing. And I'm assuming that's cuz that woman was a medium. So what you're assuming, they don't yeah. show a lot of this. You're the, you're kind of left to figure it out on your own. But you're left to assume that the husband and wife and their son Victor moved into this house and then there was some paranormal activity and then they called in a medium like you know and i'm assuming that they bought the house knowing what had happened there yeah i would guess because i would imagine that it was probably you know a mom smothering her two kids and shooting herself that's kind of a big story so i'm assuming that they knew what had happened but they bought the house anyway there were some disturbances so they brought this medium in to see if they could exercise the spirits or ask them what they wanted or calm them down or whatever and that wasn't really happening because the ghosts were not aware that they were dead yeah and the, the older ghost the female who is pretending to be the nanny yeah she was the old nanny she said that their purpose was to learn to live together with both the living and the dead yeah that that's you know that which i know this is going to be kind of an out there comparison yeah but it's a similar story to beetlejuice yeah. Because in Beetlejuice, um, the Maitlands died in the car crash. They realized they were dead, but they were stuck in the house for however long it was, 125 years, I think was the rules. And um, so they were stuck there with the living people, and they just started haunting the living people because they hated the living people and their design sense, and they wanted them to leave. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it was the same kind of thing. It was It was a similar kind of concept, except done funny. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's the same kind of thing. So I'm now I'm kind of curious if you made, like, please nobody make a sequel to this. But if you did, I think they're going to do a remake, though. Or they announced a remake in 2020, but I haven't heard anything about it. So maybe it'll never happen. Hopefully it won't, because this movie's good the way it is. You don't got to remake it. So, um, I mean, you know, just don't. <laughs> you could make another ghost story. There's lots of other stories you could make. But so... Are we led to assume that even though Grace and the kids now know that they're dead, like if somebody moves into the house that they don't like, they're going to cause like an unholy racket until those people leave. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe. Like in Beetlejuice. They're going to do like some fucking... Well, the ghosts seem to be in their own world most of the time. Yeah, it they it does, which is kind of cool. So they could yeah. kind of like coexist like in different yeah. dimensions. Because Danny was asking about yeah. the food. I would love to see someone... Um, Uh, where's all the ghostly food coming from now the interesting thing they did actually kind of address that a little bit because when the servants first showed up and the first time that mrs mills the nanny made food for the kids and complained about how funny the toast tasted so i'm assuming that she was and the way that they framed it was kind of like oh well it's a new person because she's like oh well it's a new person making it but really when you know the twist it's because she didn't know she was dead and was not used to eating food as a dead person. So it was that. Now I thought, like, I saw another review that said, oh, they never ate food any other time, like other than the toast. But I don't think that's the case because I think there was a scene where her and Nicholas were at the table eating soup. Mm. So there was food in the house. But like I said, the ghosts, I think they were just in a dimension where shit was the same as it was when they were alive. So they were perceiving the way it was when they were alive whether that was the way it was in reality obviously it wasn't because otherwise the living people would be seeing two bowls of soup on the table with like spoons going like that and uh, and they probably didn't see that 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that the ghosts were operating in their own little dimension and were just going through the motions of stuff that they remembered rather yeah. than, which I think has been done in other movies before, right? Where like a ghost just remembers, what was the, what is the movie that I'm thinking of where the ghost just saw the way that the place used to be? And not the way it was now. Well, I think that's what they. That's the. That's what it was. That's yeah. I kind of feel like that was the implication. They were in their own. In their own. In in their own memory of it. So it wasn't necessarily like yeah. Sometimes there was interaction between the living people. Like I said, when someone was playing the piano and Grace heard it and then went down there and like the door was opening and closing by itself and you know what I mean and that was a living person doing that. But, um, you know, in the curtains and everything. But I think for the most part, when they were just doing regular stuff, like she was just sitting in a room embroidering or having tea or whatever, I don't think that a living person, if they'd walked in the room, would see a teacup going like that. You know what I mean? Right. Or like somebody. I think that no. they were just perceiving yeah. their lives the way they you know, were. They only crossed over. Before they died. In specific points. If a person was gifted enough who could see ghosts, and they, then, then there was interaction. If they were doing a ritual and they were firing up the medium then there was interaction. Right. If not, then it would have been intermittent. You might hear things in the other room. You might hear, but you're, you're not going to, it's not going to be constant. It's going to yeah. be intermittent contact. Yeah. And I think that was kind of yeah. implied by the way it was. But like I said, I kind of like that idea because you're both occupying the same space, but you're like in a different yeah. dimension slightly. Right. Evidently the little boy was had, had, was, had a gift or was talented. Yeah. Okay, because he could Because he, with he her could communicate he could, yeah, he could with talk. her. Yeah, she could see him. Yeah. Right. And the funny thing that about matches it matches up with little kids being sensitive to yeah. that. So, cuz they don't they don't little kids haven't learned to shut that ability off. They can just and, and animals also. They just follow their instincts. They take things as they see it. They're not if they if the ghost is there, yeah, they feel the ghost. They might interact a little bit. You know, it's that kind of deal. The funny thing about it, too, was that Anne, the daughter, um, even though for most of the movie she perceived that Victor was a ghost, she wasn't afraid of it. And like I said, that kind of tracks with her being, not knowing that she was dead because she didn't, but knowing that something was going on because it didn't frighten her that she was interacting with this other world. You know what I mean? So I think on some level, maybe she knew deep down what was going on yeah because she seemed to be the only person that remembered all this stuff gotta say too that it's like i'm not usually a big fan of child actors but the two kids that were in this were fucking phenomenal yeah they're real good yeah. they were great yeah this is a good high quality movie if you uh want to see a good fucking ghost movie classic gothic type ghost movie you want to see this one yeah and if you like this like i said yeah. if you haven't seen the haunting the one from 1963, yeah. not the 1999 one, which sucked donkey balls. But um, the 1963 one, The Innocence from 1961. Um, I would also recommend The Changeling. Yeah. That was 1980, yeah. I want to say. Around that. And um, also, if you like this type of thing, like um, if you want to see one that's kind of like this, that's Spanish language also, because this is a Spanish director. He's Chilean, actually. Um, but another Spanish language one, which is really, really good and really creepy and really sad is the orphanage. Like that's also a fucking great one. I don't think we've ever reviewed that one. That one's kind of similar to this, but not that similar, but it's like a ghost story. Also, I'm sure most of y'all have seen it, but the Guillermo del Toro movie, the devil's backbone, uh, is also kind of along these same lines. And that's also, that's set in the Spanish civil war. 
and that's also really good really creepy but yeah this has got some really great like i said there's only two or three jump scares in it but they're earned this is more creepy atmosphere and this is that's kind of like the way to do it without really showing a lot of there's no like i said there's no big special effect ghosty type shit there's no blood there's no gore there's yeah. nothing like that it's very very low key another and it's like one, super creepy another one that's kind of in this genre kind of in this vein of things jenny might disagree would be ghost and mrs muir the original yeah 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 i like that too that it's one's kind of more one. it's good yeah romance it's I a romance but it's also a ghost between story. a living woman and a ghost the yeah. ghost of a sea captain she buys his house we reviewed that not long yeah. ago, right? That's a great movie. That's I one of my favorite ghost movies. I ghost and movie. Mrs. Muir. Yeah. And like, I'm a Rex big... Rex Harrison. Yeah. Yeah. He's so gruff. Yeah. Um, Hardcore Rex Harrison. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love all type, all kinds of horror movies, but yeah. Haunted House movies are my favorite, and I especially like creepy, old school, gothic Haunted House movies. Yeah. And this is like definitely one of the best ones. I mean, I fucking love this movie so much. Ghost of Mrs. Mirror was 60s, I think. Yeah, when did that come out? I want black to say, and white. I want to say 65, but yeah. it might have been Great earlier. ghost movie. Great ghost yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, Hugo said this twist is kind of like The Sixth Sense. It is, and I think that at the time... Well, I don't I don't necessarily want to say that at the time people were kind of like, oh, it's just like The Sixth Sense. I, some, I think some people did say that, but honestly, this movie got such good word of mouth... And it got, like, a ton of fucking... It didn't get any Oscar nominations, because I kind of feel like Nicole Kidman was gonna be nominated for an Oscar, but she... Because she also did Moulin Rouge this same year, which is also fantastic. I love that fucking movie. Um, but she did get a Golden Globe nomination, and this movie got, like, a whole bunch of, like, you know, Saturn Awards, BAFTA, like, all kind of other stuff. And it got um, a Goya Award, like, which is the Spain thing, and I think this is the only English-language movie that has ever won any Goya awards because mm. like I said it was a Spanish speaking yeah. director and it was originally written in Spanish but it was just translated into English and like I said we did talk about Tom Cruise being the producer on this but it's like it's funny that like I said Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman they were on their way out so yeah. they were yeah and honestly Nicole Kidman I've heard I don't know if this is true or not but that like while she was filming this movie I guess she was going through a lot of shit like with him because they were divorcing and stuff she was gonna drop out of this movie yeah. um, because she was having a lot of, and I think she was having a lot of a hard time like with the subject matter like it was kind of free because I think the movie she'd done before this was kind of like more happy and upbeat and this yeah. was kind of a, a bummer um, so I think she was it was kind of a lot so she did think about dropping out but honestly I think this might be my favorite performance of hers. I don't know. That's hard to say because she's a really great actor, but I don't know. She's just, she's fucking great in this. She's really great in this. I mean, she's so good because she's like super rigid and she's like yeah. super uptight. Yeah. Um, and just like even she's very like her physicality in this is really good like her body language and stuff it's like really really good but then like as the movie goes on and she starts to kind of lose it and you can kind of see the breakdown like yeah. as in her body language and her facial expressions it's just like a really really good expression i'm surprised she didn't get an oscar nomination i think they thought she was going to but she didn't um but she got a bunch of other oscar noms for this good looking woman very good, a good-looking woman. She's very, yeah. I always thought not, she was one of the most yeah. beautiful women. Yeah, it was funny. Not my type. I never, I never found her sexually attractive. Too thin, I think. 
but good looking. She's very elegant. Yeah, the elegant look. Yeah. She's very elegant. She's very statuesque. Yeah, the bone structure and shit. And she's a fantastic actor. She's right. fantastic. Yeah. Zach said I really love her in Eyes Wide Shut too. Eyes Wide Shit. <laughs> yeah. Eyes Wide Shut's a good flick, man. Yeah, yeah. she's Every great time in I that see too. It, I like it more. It reveals new layers yeah, upon yeah. well, like a lot of Kubrick's films. Yes, yeah, Kubrick. Yeah. You can't just watch those once. You have to watch them multiple yeah. times and like and that, analyze. You know, them. Tom did a great job in Eyes Wide Shut because he just comes across as a fucking dick, really. And, and, and he's always and, best when he's Tom playing. Best as a dick. Close yeah. to his real personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm guessing. <laughs> It's like, dude, man, fucking, you're fucking around. Well, and you're mad that your wife fucking fantasized about. Well, see, that was that was the only thing because I saw Eyes Wide Shut in the theater because I was like, it's Kubrick, it's his yeah, last movie. Yeah. I have to go see it in the theater, yeah. so I saw it in the theater, and I've seen it probably a dozen at least times yeah. since then. And that's one thing that that kind of bothers me. Like, I get yeah. where he was going with it. Yeah. That um, he he was it was kind of like blurring the line between, um, you know, where do you draw the line between. Uh, you know, shit that you imagine or your fantasies and stuff like that and shit you do in real life. You know what I mean? I get it. But I don't know in real life if anybody would get that, would go down that dark a path just because their wife imagined some shit. Like, I kind of feel like if she had maybe done, like, she wouldn't have had to do anything, like, bad necessarily, but just closer than, hey, I just saw a dude and thought about it. Like, that seemed a little, like, the shit that, the journey that he went on after that seemed a little excessive for that. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I think that's the, really, literally the only problem I have with the movie. I kind of feel like, I wish they had beefed up what she did to set him on that journey. But I guess they were trying to say that he was that douchey and that insecure that just the thought of her imagining leaving him over yeah. some rando yeah that, that was enough to send him on the state where he almost actually did some shit yeah like she didn't to, she didn't secret, do anything he was going to secret she's sex like parties. right it's like look i would be mad yeah i'd be like look i just imagined yeah. something yeah what are you gonna do at the sex party bro you and thought about you party. went to the shit yeah you went to the sex i never party. did yeah. that yeah. <laughs> What the you fuck? Went, you went to it's the, like, this is not equivalent. Yeah. <laughs> this is you not equivalent. You went to the sex party to try to get some action. It didn't work out, but you went. He, he went. went to, yeah, yeah. He went to that, yeah. like, that sex movie, worker's though. house. Yeah. He went to, like I said, she didn't She didn't do anything. Yeah. All she told him was like, oh, this one time a long time ago, I imagined this shit. But she didn't do anything. Yeah. All she did was, like, glance at the dude. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Kubrick. I like all his movies. But he actually did all that. Oh, yeah. So I was like, those two things and, are not equivalent. And Eyes Wide Shut is always one that fucking gets shit on. No, Eyes Wide Shut's great. You gotta see it a couple it times. It is. It's, yeah. it's, it's good. You know. And you gotta think about it. It's better the it. more times you see yeah, it. Because like I said, the first it. time I saw it, I was like, I don't love this. Yeah. I didn't love it. Kubrick was trying to tell us, man, fucking rich and powerful dudes fucking do fucking kinky ass shit. Well, everybody knew, people and, everybody knew that. Everybody knew that. This is pre-Epstein's Island. You know what I mean? But that's what he's talking about. Well, like I said, I kind of feel like that's a yeah. given like throughout history. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. P- PWRUSS25 says, yeah, the whole, in the others, yeah. the scene that everybody points to, and this was the scene that creeped me out the most, which I'm going to get into in a second, but the whole scene where she comes back in the room and her daughter's in the communion thing with the puppet. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like an old lady. Yeah, yeah. You know, are you mad? I am your daughter. Like she says, yeah. and, oh, that freaked me out so bad the first time I saw it. Yeah, because I thought it was a witch. 
Yeah, no, it was, yeah, but it's the medium you find out later. Yeah. And she was possessed by the little girl, and it's yeah. like talking through her voice. Something oh, that she had merged with the woman who was doing yeah, the but because yeah, I think yeah, they yeah, mentioned yeah. that later on. Yeah, yeah. So that's what happened. They were doing oh, okay. a seance. That makes sense now. Yeah. And the medium was talking with Anne's voice. Yeah, so she saw them as merged. And she saw them as merged. So yeah, she yeah. saw the medium, yeah, but talking with yeah. her daughter's voice. Something that really freaks me out in horror movies is, or in any movies really, is um, like somebody talking with one voice, or they're not supposed to have that voice. Or somebody's yeah. voice changing suddenly. Like, and I think I've mentioned this before, but you know the part in The Shining where Danny is just, where his, he's like, rad, 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 rad! Like yeah, it goes yeah. like up a bunch of notch that, ooh, that like always like gives me goose, and it yeah. did it again, like when I just did it. Um, also, and this might be a weird example also, but if you remember in um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, in <laughs> Judge Doom, which Christopher Lloyd, and at the end, you don't know, and again, spoiler alert, um, Judge Doom is a tune. And so he, he's like, you think he's a human the whole time, but he's actually a tune. You know, when I killed your brother, I talk just like this. And it's just like, oh, that fucking freaked me out so bad. <laughs> like, so anytime somebody talks with a voice that they're not supposed to be talking with, or their voice suddenly goes into a different register, yeah. it really, and I don't know why, I have no idea. I've explored it um, with myself, like lots of times I've written a lot of blog posts about it. But I don't know. Size of the crowd listening fucking has doubled since. Really? I don't know why that freaks me out so bad. So it's like, so, I mean, that and like doppelgangers or like people being in two places at once, which is why David Lynch movies freak me out so much. Um, But that is the other thing that freaks me out. Like people, so the scene with her like looking like an old lady and then be, but talking with the little girl's voice that yeah. scared the fuck yeah. out of me the first time I saw this oh it's creeped me out so bad and I don't know why it's, I, I can't explain it it's just one of those weird things everybody has one of those weird things that if, like scares them if you are listening to this show recorded I would just please like to take the time and to ask y'all if you enjoy the show please like share subscribe and of course um, you can give us what's called a super thanks which is like a super chat but uh, it's uh, when we're not live so, uh, yeah, you can just do that. letting y'all guys know that. Can I have another? Can yeah. I, can I, well, it's probably almost time to shut it down. Huh? Well, I mean, it's only eight thirty. I'm just kind of. We'll shut it down in a minute. I just want it for. I'm you just want wanna, a little bit more? Yeah, just a little oh, bit more. Yeah. Well, I'm just gonna have a little bit more. It's Monday night. But we got to go to the DMV tomorrow. Yeah. So you know what I mean. But yeah, so that scene freaked me out. Um, the scene. There's also a great, and I had forgotten about this scene too. And it's not even a jump scare, but the scene where she's like in the room and it's all dark and everything, and there looks like, and it looks like a face, like in the background, like creeping out of the dark, like out of the shadows. And then you're like, what the fuck is that? Like it's not focused on or anything like that. You're like, there's just a face back there. What the hell? And then like she turns the lights on and it's like a painting. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just like, I thought that was so fucking great. Cause it, like I said, it wasn't even a jump scare. There was no like musical sting or anything like that. It's just, but I love just low-key shit like that. Like, to me, that's way scarier. This movie is, like, way scarier to me than stuff with, like, a bunch of jump scares. Because jump scares are easy. You know what I mean? All you have to do is make a loud noise, and people will jump. Good for you. You know what I mean? It's just not lasting. This movie is a movie that that I've seen, you know, several times, and it and scenes from it, like, stuck with me. Even though I hadn't seen it for several years, when we watched it again last night, I remembered, like, most of the dialogue, like, verbatim. So this movie, like, really did stick with me, like, over the years, which a lot of horror movies do not. But a lot of shit stuck with me about this one. 
like I said, I remember the whole twist. I remembered all of that stuff. And especially that scene with the, with her talking and the voice. It's just like, oh, that creeped me out so bad. That kind of stuff creeps me out. And let me see. Oh, they're talking about the remake of um, Stepford Wives that had Nicole Kidman in it. I didn't see it. Um, you didn't miss much. The original I, was good enough. I, I saw it in the theater, and well, they took it in a different direction, which is fair enough. But I remember, I just remember not really liking it because the thing about it is that the original novel, which is great, by the way. It's Ira Levin. Thank you very much, Mrs. Evans Artie Party, for the super chat. Yeah, the original novel, if you didn't know, is by Ira Levin, who also wrote uh, Rosemary's Baby. Uh, he also wrote A Kiss Before Dying. All of those novels are excellent, so if you haven't read them, like, please do. He's a great writer. Um, don't read the Rosemary's Baby sequel, though, because um, I threw it against a wall. So, <laughs> like, when I finished it. So, so yeah. But other than that, uh, his books are fantastic. But Stepford Wives, the original novel had a veneer of black comedy to it, as a lot of his novels did. He was actually really good at that. Subtle. Uh, Rosemary's Baby, the novel also was kind of, was had a black comedy kind of tone to it too. But like I said, very subtle. It was very low key. And that kind of came across in the movie. Same with Stepford Wives. So when they made Stepford Wives in the 70s, it did have a black comedy aspect to it. But to me, that really just accentuated the horror of it because the idea of it was like so horrifying that it's like the fact that they went like slightly black, black comedy with it was like made it scarier to me. And I feel like the remake, which I think I want to say was 2004, but I could be wrong about that. I saw it in the theater, like I said, and I was kind of sorry I did. But they went kind of full bore into the black comedy aspect, and I don't think it worked. It just didn't work. They went too far, it went too over the top. Um, the black comedy element in the novel and in the original movie worked better because it was subtle. If you're gonna take it full out, it's just, I don't know, it just didn't work as well for me. I'd have to rewatch it though, because I think the only time I saw it was in the theater, and I was just like, man, that was just really not good Trying at all. I believe this movie's 23 years old. <laughs> It is, yeah. <laughs> Those little kids are old now. Yeah. yeah. They're in their 30s. I don't 30s. even know if they were in anything else. Yeah. I mean, I probably should have looked. But they were great in yeah. this. They were so good. And like I said, I don't usually like child actors, but especially the, the girl that played the daughter, Yeah, she was fucking fantastic. Like, she was just exactly like a kid that age. She was just yeah. like real imperious, and she was like all sarcastic and yeah. rebellious and... I don't know. Nicole's I just, what, I really like 55 like, now? She's got to be yeah. older than us, I would think. No, I think she's my age. Yeah? I think she's my age. Maybe a little bit younger. Zach says there was a movie that Nicole Kidman did called Birth, where she has, like, really short, dark hair, and it almost doesn't look like her, but you can still tell because of the eyebrows. He said he always knows it's her because of the eyebrows. I never noticed her eyebrows. I'll have to look at them. She's did we see that movie? That sounds kind of familiar. She's always fucking... 56, Danny said. 56, she okay. She's a little bit older than me by a year. She always kind of reminded me of Elizabeth Montgomery. Yeah. She had a similar kind of face as Elizabeth Montgomery. Also beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's that very particular kind of, like, statuesque... Yeah. 
blonde. Right. Well, I guess Nicole Kidman's to slightly me, more redhead. But... Pretty, but not sexy. Fucking. Uh, yeah, because those are two different things. Very different like things. Like I said. Barbara Eden, sexy. All right, which was that was that was the competition for Bewitched was fucking I Dream a Genie, fucking they were both fucking those were both hotties of their time, man. So two of the best looking women ever been built, but fucking I was and I think they were possibly been built. I don't know. I didn't see. I, Barbara Eden looked like she might have had a nose job, but it's hard to say. Because they didn't really talk about they it didn't back talk about then. It back then. Like nowadays, they're a lot yeah. more open about it, but yeah. back then they're like, "No, this I'm just naturally beautiful." Yeah. Barbara was sexy though. I thought, like, uh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah there because there's definitely Elizabeth a difference. Pretty, real pretty. between. Yeah. Although I saw, I would have to show it to you. I saw um, an episode of pretty sure it was the Boris Karloff show thriller that had Elizabeth Montgomery in it. I'm gonna have to show you yeah. it. She's cute as a button in that. But yeah, so she was in some other shit too. But I really liked her in that too. But yeah, so um, let me see. Uh, Danny says the best Nicole Kidman ever looked on film was in the film Batman Forever. In my opinion, I don't even remember. I don't remember, I don't remember what she looked like in yeah. that. Did I see that movie? Yeah, I'm sure I saw. I, it. I don't even remember who she played. God damn it! I've seen so many yeah. fucking movies. <laughs> I've seen so many movies. I can't even remember which ones I've seen. Because, like I said, Zach brought up that one called Birth, and I was like, yeah. "You're describing it," and I was like, "That sounds kind of familiar." Yeah. I think I might have seen that. And some of those Batman movies were fucking terrible. <laughs> I like the first two. Uh, then they started to get fucking crazy. Well, everybody hates Batman and Robin, right? Yeah. And then Arnold I, Schwarzenegger was in it. He fucking... As Mr. Freeze. As Mr. Freeze, and he kind of sucked. What was the one Jim Carrey in it as the Riddler? I don't remember. They I, I can't stand Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, yeah. I will say, He's annoying. is great in yeah. dramatic roles. Um, he was great in yeah. The Truman Show. He was great in... Um, uh, what's the, what was the movie with uh, Kate Winslet? Um, shit. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which, oh shit, we need to review that. I fucking love that movie. He was great in that. But he was just playing like a regular sad sack dude. He wasn't trying to be funny, wasn't talking out of his butt or anything like that. It's like, I can't stand that zany. It just seems very tryhard. I don't like tryhard. So I think that that's kind of why. It's just too much. Like, I get why some people like all the, like, the Ace Ventura movies and stuff like that, but I just, I can't watch that. It just gives me a headache. I never liked the guy. He just drew, drove me up the wall. Right? Yeah, but like I said, he can act. If you yeah. see him in just, like, playing a normal person, he's yeah. actually great. He was good as fucking uh, Mr. Roboto in fucking Sonic, the Sonic. I thought he was good in that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was right. But a lot of his shit, Robotnik, fucking, yeah. like, the mask and everything, he was just so fucking zany that it would just drive me fucking Yeah, crazy. I can't, like I said, I can't stand zany. And I was just like, that's just cocaine. You know, that that's not, you know, that's... That's what I mean. That's, that's just cocaine. And as much as I loved Robin yeah. Williams, like, he, he kind of shaded over into that, yeah. like, super coked up. Yeah. Like I said, like, they were trying too hard. Yeah. But he was also great in dramatic roles. Like I said, yeah. look at One Hour Photo. One Hour Insomnia, Photo. Masterpiece. Or something like that. Like when he plays yeah. like a bad guy or he plays him. Like yeah. a lot of comedians can do that because comedians generally are coming from a place yeah. of darkness. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you know what I mean? If so, you've never seen One Hour Photo, yeah, we highly recommend Robin Williams playing a dark fucking character who works at a One Hour Photo. And, it, and it's just... It's Super just cre- a it's weird creepy. fucking movie. I, I want to own it. I might own it. It's creepy. I, I think I might. No, I don't own that one. That's one yeah, of I don't think we I have that own. one. That's another important movie. There should be a Criterion edition of that. There might be at this yeah, point. Fucking, I don't know. I mean, it seems like it's probably There's something about now. the sterile tone of fucking 
corporate, f- corporate fucking uh, retail shopping, like at Walmart and fucking Wal, you know, or, or no, Walgreens. What it's kind of like, and he's developing photos, which is something that doesn't exist anymore. They don't have photo. Well, they do have photo development. It's just not as big as it was. Yeah, back but, then uh, that was the only way. Back could get then, there was the only way you could get pictures. And this dude's just stalking people's families through the fucking one-hour photo that he works at, and fucking it. Robin Williams and, is the shit. And when your family doesn't yeah. um, adhere to your kind of like photographic representation yeah. of it, he gets like real yeah, upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but fucking that was the first movie I saw that had Robin Williams. He scared me, but I also had like feelings for him. You gotta see the movie to understand. I mean, that was what was fantastic about it. You yeah. did. You felt bad for him. Yeah, you felt real bad for he him. He right? humanized, even though he was obviously like a monster. Yeah. But yeah. he was really good at like humanizing that character. Because yeah. he was just like a sad dude, but he yeah. did like horrible shit. He was scary. Yeah. Yeah. Danny says um, Jim Carrey on the film 23 tried way too hard to be a deep film. Yeah. Um, yeah. The number 23, I think, is the movie that you're talking about. That movie, it seemed like it was a good concept and it seemed like it should have been good, but. It was one of those kind of like conspiracy thriller type things. And it just, uh, it was too much of a reach, man. If you're going to have a conspiracy, at least make it a more believable conspiracy than the one he was trying to get to the bottom of. You know what I'm saying? Xana said, one hour photo was great. My parents saw it in the theater. I think I saw it in the theater too, now that I mention it. And loved it. We rented it and I saw it as a kid. Yeah, it's a great fucking movie. Uh, Zach says, I just Googled Elizabeth Montgomery because Tom mentioned her. The actress who plays... uh, Bartha in this movie played the maid played the maid in a movie Montgomery did about Lizzie Borden. Mm. That's right, she was in a Lizzie Borden yeah. movie. I forgot all yeah, about Google that. Yeah, Google Barbara Eden. Yeah. yeah. She played Jeannie on the yeah, old I Dream of Jeannie yeah. show. Yeah, Barbara Eden was So she went around with her little midriff exposed yeah. all the time with she, her little bikini That was like on. the first fucking official with her little nose wiggling. television corporate sex pot was your, your own little genie See, that's servant that would come that's, out. That was Tom's walk. like awakening as a heterosexual man. Yeah, well, I knew it was straight long before that. But fucking <laughs> that, that helped. That helped fucking usher me down the path. I'm trying to think what my awakening was as yeah. a heterosexual. Well, I don't even know if I awakened as a heterosexual because a lot of yeah, a lot of what was like, well, dudes are nice, but like girls are kind of yeah. nice too. See, <laughs> <laughs> so, Bob Barber though, man, the eyes, the nose, you know what I mean? She was just. She had, she had a killer figure, boobs, the whole nine yards. Uh, she had the whole package. Elizabeth Montgomery playing fucking Samantha the Witch. She was a little more conservative. Although, I gotta tell you, they did the same thing. Fucking Elizabeth Montgomery would play her evil twin sister or bad twin sister as fucking... Uh, and Tom S- liked that better. Sabrina. Right? Yeah, yeah, I like Sabrina better. He's like, oh, this is much yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. it's like, it's still the same woman, but same now woman. she's like a bad girl. She's a bad girl with black hair and shit. She's in case you didn't know, Sabrina. Tom loves the bad girls. I like the bad girls, yeah. I was more into Sabrina. It's like, oh, hell yeah. yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. We're all kind of more She wasn't bad. She was just naughty. Well, yeah, see, everybody likes that a little bit yeah. better. That's why everybody likes the villains better, yeah. because they're kind of more interesting. You know what yeah. I mean? You don't want them to be too villainous. You don't want them yeah. to be like fucking the Green River Killer or some you shit like that. You want to be able to sleep with her and feel, and feel you can trust her. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, yeah. you don't want her to be so bad that yeah. she's gonna like you know Kill murder you, you and, and or, take all your money and yeah, shit or like fuck all your friends and take right. all your money. <laughs> exactly. Fucking, yeah, you don't want her that. Bad. You don't want her that bad. Yeah. You just want her a little bit bad. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's kind of there's yeah. a balance there. Yeah, Zach said, I think my gay awakening was Daniel Craig. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Who said that? Zach did. Zach, yeah. 
Yeah, Xander said, I watched that Dream of Genie on Nick at Night as a kid. She was hot. Yeah. I Dream of Genie in Three's Company, LOL. Yeah. All those old shows. Oh my god, we used to watch Three's Company like all the time. Yeah. It's like you can't even watch it nowadays because yeah. it's so cringy. But they're talking about how Craig looks. He's good. what what he's he's rugged. Best thing about Craig is that that's where a guy can be handsome and kind of fucking beat up looking at the same time. He was kind of rough. Yeah, he's kind of like the rough. platonic ideal of that. Yeah, rough looking, but he's good looking guy. But see, yeah. that's that's kind of what we talk about a lot. Whereas like a lot of kind of Hollywood A listers, like the guys that are in like Marvel movies and yeah. stuff like that. Are really nice looking. Too vanilla. But they all kind of look alike. Yeah, kind of vanilla. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like if you see them, you're just like, yeah, that's an attractive human being. But it's like I can't really tell one from the other. They're just like very, very generically good looking. Yeah. I kind of like people that are interesting looking. Yeah. But like, and, and that's sexier to me. Like that somebody that has their own thing going on. That's yeah. like distinctive. Like yeah. you immediately know who that is. Like that fucking crazy. Like that crazy looking babe magnet dude. He's just fucking crazy. Fucking twin, Clinton Tarantino had him in all this fucking movies. He was Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. See, I would argue Steve, Steve, Buscemi, Steve Buscemi is weirdly hot. Yeah, Steve and Buscemi's I'm into weirdly. I'm into weirdly hot. Everybody, tested, men and women. Every, every, everybody <laughs> fucking could fucking vouch that, that said that fucking Steve Buscemi was a babe magnet. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. And if you ever see, and a lot of it had to do with his roles. If you see some of his photographs, doing he's doing serious. More a more serious role. He's a lot. That's even sexy as shit. Yeah, he's a lot. He's he's a lot more attractive looking when he's just doing a serious. Because they usually got him kind of like this, Weasley like, kind of guy. Right, right, right. Yeah, he was good at playing those. Yeah, kind of yeah. Roles. That's usually how they happen. But if you see him in a more straight role where he's more fucking alpha and shit, no, you, you can see it. Yeah, he had a weird look to him that he wasn't conventional, but he was. Uh, you could never confuse him with anybody a, he, else. Yeah, that's for sure. He had character. and I like that. He had a look that yeah. gave, gave character. Character. I like yeah. that. Well, like I said, when I was, you know, in the 80s, you know, when I was kind of like an older teenager, a lot of the actors that I had crushes on were, my big ones were Jeremy Irons. I fucking love Jeremy Irons. Oh my God. Dead Ringers. That was like so fucking great. I loved him in that. And um, John Malkovich also. I also had a thing for John Malkovich, especially in Dangerous Liaisons. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he's like, he's not attractive necessarily but there's something like really really sexually alluring about him i can't really explain what it is but especially like back then but i was that's kind of my two big those were kind of my two big crushes at that time other than like all the kind of gothy musicians and stuff that i liked but those were the two main actors that i liked also christopher eccleston i really liked who was in this movie briefly i first saw him in because a lot of people know because he was he was a Doctor Who. But I first saw him in Jude, which was an adaptation of Thomas Hardy's Jude the Obscure, which is one of my favorite novels of all time, even though it's probably the most depressing novel ever written. But I, that's probably why I like it. But they made an adaptation of it. It was him and Kate Winslet. And I fucking loved that movie. It was so fucking good. And nobody talks about it anymore. But I I haven't seen it in a long time. But I really liked it. But I think that was the first thing that I saw him in. And I was like, who the hell is that? That's right up my alley. They're talking about Buscemi and The Sopranos. That he was great. Yeah. I don't know. I just saw some some photos of him from, I think it was a movie. And he's dressed as a businessman. He's behind a desk. He looks fucking super serious. Looks badass. Looks like he's getting ready to sign your death warrant. I don't know if that came from... Uh, from the Sopranos or not, uh, but I just yeah, I think he's done a lot he, of like TV series. He recently. can uh, he can look very serious and real fucking kind of intimidating. See, I'm kind of, I'm into it. Yeah. Like I said, I kind don't. Good face. I could I could take or leave um, 
like I said, all the kind of Marvel guy, like who are who are the people that are in fucking like Chris Hemsworth and all they. I mean, I kind of confuse them with one another because they all kind of look like each other. I guess they all go to the same plastic surgeon or they all build them at the same factory or whatever. So it's like, like I said, they're all, yes, they're all good looking. They have, you know, chiseled jawlines and six packs and everything like that. But it's just like, they all kind of look like each other and I can't tell them apart. So boardwalk empire. Probably right. Sounds about right. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 That's what it was. Yeah. The photographs I saw from that, he looks fucking epic in that. I haven't seen the movie though. Yeah. We should probably, is that a, that's a, like, that's a series, right? He's yeah. That's looking, a series. I think he's looking fucking powerful and shit. Yeah. We should probably watch Because you usually see him as a, as, in some kind of weaselly role where he's kind of cool, but he's also not, you know, he's not, he's, you don't have to really worry about him. I first noticed him in fucking Reservoir Dogs, which yeah. I liked his character, but he was kind of weaselly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that was kind of, that was his character. Yeah, it was his character. We have a, 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 the photographs from Boardwalk Empire, man, he looked, he looked fucking intimidating. Yeah. And like, and, and powerful. But I haven't seen it. Zach said, I think Scorsese did the first episode of that show. Yeah, I've heard a lot of um, a lot of buzz about it, but I haven't what, seen it. What, Empire? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It's a series? And he was in Fargo, that's right. Yep. Oh it's a God. series? Is that what Yeah, it's a series. We just, like, we haven't... I, I just kind of feel like there's all these series that I need to see that I... Yeah. I just never have time, you know what I mean? Although we did have time to watch... We watched all eight seasons of Hometown. Hometown. That show in Laurel, Mississippi. Yeah, where my where my family's from. Yeah. Well, because you told me about it when you yeah. got back from Mississippi, I'm like, oh, we gotta watch that. And yeah. they had them all on HBO yeah. Max, so we just started watching them. Like we don't like we usually just put them on like in the yeah. evening and like you know kind of pay attention. They're to them showing right. houses that I know, like fucking the. Key and he's Red. like, oh my god, that's that's that's, my, that, that's David Keys. Like I know, house. I know that that house. You know what I mean? Yeah. That they're redoing. Yeah. But um. Yeah, we and then last night or no, the, not last night, but the night before, like we were watching it, just like oh my god, we ran out. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't think we were ever gonna run out. Run we watched out like all eight seasons. Yeah. <laughs> then we it's started watching. Series. Yeah, it's really good. It's actually like you're I talking was, about the old South, and you know, I actually was very entertained. Yeah, they mentioned Heidelberg, which is fucking where my dad was when he died, and that's where I used to go. But I used to go to Heidelberg and Laurel for the summers of my, almost my whole life as a, as a kid and, and teenager. You know, just it was it was a good place growing up, and they they describe it the same way I've described it to you over years back on the show is that it's basically Mayberry, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, and it is very much like that. Yeah, and, and, and people are moving there from L.A. and fucking New York. Well, the hilarious thing they see the show and they're like, that, oh, yeah, house. once the show play. got yeah. so popular because I think it might be the most popular show on the network. Yeah, um, it's on HGTV. That um, some people are actually moving there just because of the show. Yeah. Like in the later seasons. So they're buying houses and having them, having Aaron and Ben, like, do them up for them. And honestly, like, every single, through all eight seasons, because I used to watch, like, a lot of, you know, home renovation, like, makeover shows and stuff. And, you know, and sometimes... So the designer on there will, like, do some shit, and I'll be like, yeah, but I don't really care for that. It's, like, pretty ugly. But... I think every single time they did there it's not always my style obviously but every single renovation they did looked amazing. Yeah. And they've had people so rich they had one dude just show up and says so what's your what's your budget? He goes there's no budget. He's like whatever. So no, let me just whatever. Whatever you want, I'll buy whatever. Okay. House. So they okay. throw like they throw like a fucking $400,000 house no problem. No problem. And then they're going to 
And actually, I think that house ended up being, what was it, six, seven hundred thousand? Yeah. I can't imagine what that must be like. He's just like, okay, that's fine. They didn't say what he did. Hey, this will be $600,000. Okay, Okay, that's fine. Yeah, no problem. I just want to live here. I can't imagine. He he fucking bought a southern fucking (laughs) mansion. Yeah, crazy. But yeah, so, um, all right, so I guess we're going to wrap it up because I've got to pee and everything like that. So, but, uh, but yeah, thank you very much. Zanada for sending us this movie. Like I said, I love this movie. I was very excited to watch it again, and I was also kind of excited for Tom to watch it because he had never seen it. I didn't know if he was going to like it or not because, like I said, it's kind of a slow burn. Is it, though? Not really. It's, I don't think it's, it's a slow a burn. Slow, it's not as slow as the older ones from the Right, yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. So I kind of feel like it's not that slow, but I mean, if you're more into kind of like action-packed horror, it's not like that. It's more like atmospheric and stuff, but I mean, it's a classic for a reason people still talk about it for a reason and this is like my favorite subgenre of horror and i was really really happy to get to watch it again especially knowing what the twist is i think it's like really good to rewatch it again because you can appreciate the screenwriting and like all of the clues that are sprinkled in that you don't notice the first time around because you don't know what it's building up to you know what i mean so i thought that was like really cool but yeah so we're gonna wrap it up this evening i might do a book review tomorrow um, I finished reading a novel that was really good, and so I might come on tomorrow, if if we have time, if I have time, I might come on and talk about it. It's called um, The Children of the Dark by Jonathan Jans, and um, it was really good. If you like, like Stranger Things or something like that, you'd probably like be really into it. So I might come on tomorrow and talk about it. If we don't have time tomorrow, because like I said, we got to go to the DMV and get tags for the car and everything like that. I don't know how long it's going to take. Um, if I don't have time to do it tomorrow, I'll do it Thursday. Wednesday night, the show is going to be about Frank Abagnale, the very famous imposter who they made the movie Catch Me If You Can about the Steven Spielberg movie with Leonardo DiCaprio in it. And I've been wanting to do a show about this motherfucker for a really long time. Um, I read the book, his autobiography, a while back. And the shit in there is crazy. I don't know how much of it is true, but... He um, got away with some shit. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about that on Wednesday night. So that should be a fun show. At least nobody got murdered. (laughs) So we can, like, so we can at least have, like, a fun time talking about it. But, yeah, so hopefully you guys can join us for that. And we will see you guys again. I might see you again tomorrow. But if not, we'll both see you again Wednesday night. 